Caitlin Dubin, the host of the Rural Woman Podcast, and Bev Ross, host of the Joy Farmer Podcast, have teamed up to create Positively Farming Media. Positively Farming Media is a podcast hub that connects and cultivates growth-oriented farm and food storytellers. We host a mastermind mentoring group that fosters connection and collaboration between podcasters so you no longer have to produce your show within a silo. Each month in our member-only online community, new learning modules are released that are designed to increase your show's quality, listenership, and advertising opportunities. When you join today, you'll have access to the current month's modules and our previously released modules so you can start growing your show right away. Learn more and start building connections to fellow podcasters in the food and agriculture space at PositivelyFarmingMedia.com. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Sarah Cross. Sarah was born and raised in sunny Southern California and never imagined she would be living on a 36-acre semi-off-grid homestead in rural Indiana. Sarah, along with her husband, have made the conscious shift from a consumer-driven city to an intentional life in the country with a focus on homesteading and self-sufficiency. Canning, gardening, raising chickens, sewing, cooking, and training a livestock guardian pup and beginning her own body care business are just some of Sarah's intentional living pursuits. She manages all of these things while working full-time. Her next steps include selling eggs, produce, and handcrafted soap at the local farmer's market and teaching others how to take the first steps into homesteading through classes on her property. While she holds a master's degree in archaeology, it is her thirst for knowledge and her tenacious spirit that keeps Sarah's story unique. I'm very excited for Sarah to share her story with us today here on the Rural Woman Podcast. Before we get to our interview with Sarah today, I want to say a big warm welcome to Lauren T, who is our newest patron over at Tier 5 on Patreon. Lauren now has access to the patron-only feed, ad-free listening, patron community status over on wildrosefarmer.com, an exclusive promo code for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, and is entered to win a Rural Woman podcast hat that is drawn quarterly. But most importantly, Lauren gets my sincerest appreciation for her financial support of my work. So thank you so much, Lauren. You can join Lauren and the rest of the patron community by heading over to patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. And friends, be sure to stay tuned to the end of today's show as I have some updates and news to share with you about future episodes. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Sarah. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hey, Caitlin. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am excited to get to know you better and to share your story with my audience. Oh, well, thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to it. I love listening to your show and I'm listening to everyone else's lives. It's like a little peek. 
Yes, and now you get the inside scoop of what happens behind the scenes of the Royal Woman podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. For the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background and how you got started in agriculture. It's been a little bit of a untraditional journey, perhaps. I'm actually from Los Angeles and grew up there for, well, until I was 26. So (laughs) I'm a city girl, born and raised, but I came to Indiana to pursue a graduate degree in archaeology. And from there, just kind of took a turn. Husband and I, who I met in grad school, we bought a house on a double lot and started to want to take more control over what it is we ate. And so we put together a pretty large garden. So basically the other lot that our house wasn't on was our garden. And if our city had allowed us to have chickens, we probably wouldn't have moved. (laughs) But since chickens are the gateway drug to the world of agricultural and homesteading, we started our quest for land. And so that actually lasted three years. We, I think, happened to enter the real estate market at the time when every single other person did as well. So finding the land was really hard. We were outbid multiple times and things were really expensive where we used to live. And then we finally got set up and we entered a search on realtor.com for any place in Indiana. And we ended up here on 30, just over 35 acres in central southeastern Indiana. And it's beautiful. Couldn't ask for more. (laughs) So that was the journey to the land. And then um, the chickens came. And so we've got those laying right now. We've done a batch of meat birds just for our own purposes. And then we just, we've been having a lot of problems with predators and our chickens. So we just got a livestock guardian dog and we are on our way. That is so cool. And can I say, like, when people tell me, like, I'm a city girl turned whichever, like, you actually were. Los Angeles is, like, a big city. (laughs) Yeah, and I was, I grew up, like, on the outskirts, but, like, all those beach towns, like, I worked in Beverly Hills, you know, right (laughs) after college. So, and we actually moved back to L.A. for about a year and thinking maybe the grass was greener. And I have to say that I couldn't come back to Indiana soon enough. It was, I, I think I had just become Hoosier eyes for Hoosiers here in Indiana. So the people weren't as nice and it was so noisy and there was always something to do. And I think I just turned into a homebody. So here I am. There you are. <laughs> So tell me how you and your husband kind of got turned on to this growing your own food movement. You mentioned you had a big garden when you were in the suburbs, but what was so important to you about starting to grow your own food? Well, I think it started off as a health concern. I mean, we didn't, we're pretty healthy people, but we started watching Netflix and they had a bunch of those shows about like forks over knives and like nutrition documentaries. And then we went down the YouTube rabbit hole, which we still go down frequently. And so it just kind of turned into wanting to have more control over what we eat. But not only that, but like what we consume as far as like products and things like that too. So we can 
just about everything we can. Oh, we can, we can. But um, we preserve food as much as possible. Like my husband hunts, so we do venison stew. We've got, I did, I don't know, like six bushels of tomatoes. So we've got crushed and paste and all that stuff. So it started, it started kind of as a health concern. And then we saw other people's lifestyles on YouTube and decided that that seemed like a really great way to kind of have more control overall. And then build our skill set. It's really easy to be disconnected, I think, in this time. I mean, the internet is everywhere and advertising is everywhere and debt is everywhere. So it just seems like if we could put a little bit more control into our daily routine, that and makes us feel more comfortable. For sure. Caitlin Dubin, the host of the Rural Woman podcast, and Bev Ross, host of the Joy Farmer podcast, have teamed up to create Positively Farming Media. Positively Farming Media is a podcast hub that connects and cultivates growth-oriented farm and food storytellers. We host a mastermind mentoring group that fosters connection and collaboration between podcasters, so you no longer have to produce your show within a silo. Each month in our member-only online community, new learning modules are released that are designed to increase your show's quality, listenership, and advertising opportunities. We also host two live calls every month so members can come together to collaborate, discuss what they've learned, and share new ideas. When you join today, you'll have access to the current month's modules and previously released modules so you can start growing your show right away. Positively Farming Media is committed to supporting and amplifying the voices of BIPOC farmers and podcasters. BIPOC members of Positively Farming Media Mastermind will have their membership fees waived indefinitely as a benefit in kind. Learn more and start building connections to fellow podcasters in the food and agriculture space at PositivelyFarmingMedia.com. So give us an overview of once you and your husband found your homestead that you're currently on, start from beginning. Like once you guys moved on to the land, what were some of your first big projects that you worked on to what you guys are doing there today? Well, I feel like we do every project three times. Um, First, (laughs) we do it the quick and easy way and cheap way. And then we throw some money at it with zero skill. Um, That's round two. And then we finally figure out a little bit about what we're doing (laughs) and we do it for real the third time. So I feel like that's how everything has gone here. So we bought this house and it's perfect. It's two bedrooms and it's not very big and it has a basement and it's great, but we gutted it. (laughs) So we first started there with like how we, you know, making sure it was okay for us. And then we did, we started with chickens and we watched Justin Rhodes' YouTube video and built his chicken tractor and every raccoon in the county ate our chickens. (laughs) So we started again and we free range them, but we had the electric poultry netting around them and, you know, chickens, once they learn they can fly, they're out of the electric poultry netting because they want to be free and free range. And so then every dog in the county ate our chickens. So now we have a coop with a door, and it is predator-proof 
from that respect, but we now have a really large chicken run. We actually just finished a huge, like a very, well, for us, large chicken run area about three weeks ago. And it's like, you know, dig the holes for the posts and stretch the fencing material and staple everything in and all of that, you know, good stuff. And we have this dog. So our predators right now seem to be hawks. And so we're hoping this little puppy who is like a little poof ball will protect our birds <laughs> during the day since they are protected at night. So that is our journey there. We had a small garden as well. So we first year we were here, we had pots and we had very sad tomato plants in there because we never watered them. And even though we knew better. And then we bought a tiller and tilled up some land next to the house and we had a garden there. And now our plans for next year, so that's one, two, and then this is three. We're going to be putting together a much larger garden this spring, we are hoping. And it will be for us, but also we're hoping to sell some of our produce and our eggs at the farmer market. So everything seems to happen in triplicate. So I would really like to do pigs, but my husband rolls his eyes at me every time I say that. So we'll see how many tries that takes. <laughs> well, I think that's called failing forward is what I think it's referred to as. So. I hope so. I hope so. Like every time I do it, I'm like, this better freaking work. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, at least you've been feeding the local wildlife and the local dogs and all of the things. And soon you'll feed your neighbors your beautiful produce and eggs and all of the things. So. <laughs> Yeah, we've been really lucky, I will say, you know, like we haven't had the same problem twice, you know, so we are clearly like learning from our mistakes, but we really are hoping to kind of, and that's one of the things about like rural living, it can be a little bit isolating, especially when you live in the middle of 35 acres and your neighbor has 35 acres and, you know, you're, we're literally 30 minutes from any town. So it's a little bit, it can get a little lonely. So we've actually found, you know, places to donate our eggs. We're trying to get involved with the community that way. And so we're hoping that learning from our mistakes pays off for us and everybody else too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my next question for you was, what have been some of the biggest challenges you face in your homesteading journey so far? We've covered, <laughs> we've covered a few. If there's any others you can think of, you can share them now. <laughs> So we bought this property without really knowing anything about anything. We had bought a house before, but it was a conventional loan. And I think that there's a lot of people that really want to get into homesteading or having more land so they can be a little bit more self-sufficient. And it's just a really, it's an uphill battle, really. At least in the United States, they really don't banks. Uh, don't like to give you money for anything over 10 acres. They don't seem to understand that that's a regular thing that people want. <laughs> so finding a bank that will do that. Also, if the land has been farmed or is currently being farmed, then the kind of loan you have to get is entirely different than a conventional loan because they're seeing your land as a business right off the bat. And so that changes your down payments and all kinds of things and loan options. And then we happen to be in an area that doesn't have a lot of wells. And so we actually don't have a well on our property. We use 
there's a cistern in our basement. And when we bought the house, we would literally drive a tank down to a place in town, fill it up, and then come put the water into our cistern in the basement. And the bank didn't like that either. <laughs> so, so I think that probably our like first challenge and first hurdle was trying to find a place, uh, a bank that would loan us money for this house. And I think that that's probably something that a lot of people for rural land will run into. We have since upgraded our water system. So we actually do rain catchment from the roof. It goes from our gutters down into our basement. We, it, we flooded twice, but now we figured it out. So we have an overflow system. <laughs> so I think that the, I don't know, I would like to say that arming yourself with knowledge and being persistent are probably the things that uh, have gotten us around today. But that it, there's always something new to learn, I feel. Well, absolutely. And like you said, being persistent, like that is your MO because from all of the things that have happened in such a short amount of time, like that's a lot of things to be discouraged about, Sarah. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I'm really stubborn. My husband will tell you, I really don't take no for an answer. And so if I can't do it one way, I will do it another way. <laughs> and so come hell or high water, I'll, I'll get what I need done. Good. Good. <laughs> I think that's honestly the motto for many women in agriculture and in the rural settings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's something you have to have. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I want to flip this. What are some wins that you want to celebrate that you guys have had in the last three years? Well, I mean, we have learned so much. I feel like, I mean, we built an honest-to-God fence <laughs> ourselves. And it's amazing. And it's standing and it'll be standing for quite a while. It, you know, like my family doesn't quite understand what we're doing, <laughs> but they are pretty amazed about how far we've come and what we've learned. And and I think just the high points is just knowing that you can take care of yourself. It's really empowering to be able to do that and know that where your food comes from. You know, this year, like all of our meat is from our chickens and the venison that my husband was able to harvest. And while we still buy things at the grocery store, you know, I would love to have a milk cow, but I do not have the attention span for that. But, you know, like just being able to know where your food comes from, I don't think we would probably buy anything at the grocery store this summer because we'll be growing all our own produce and all of our eggs and whatnot. So I think it's just really empowering to be able to say that and know how far we've come in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I want to jump back to something that you said about your family not understanding what the heck you guys are doing. Are most of your family still in California or in the Los Angeles area? My sister is, and she has a little one, Orion, who's like four and a half, and he gets a kick out of it. We FaceTime to see the chicks, and we'll stop. We'll We'll do it again, like in a couple, you know, a week or two weeks and things like that. And he'll come out on FaceTime in the chicken yard and see how they've grown and whatnot. So we'll be like using that as a learning opportunity for him. And so my sister's really excited about that part of it. And he loves tractors. So he, he loves to watch us on the tractor. And so that's kind of fun to have that. But uh, yeah, I have family who's like, well, it's so much easier. You guys work so hard. Why do you do that? You know, you could buy it at the store and and that's not really the point. <laughs> right. 
Absolutely. Well, I can attest to the nephews and the farm. My two nephews just have the best time when they're able to come out here. And it is, it's so neat to be able to see it through their eyes because like me, I didn't grow up. I I was in the city, aka, well, I'm in the northern LA is what the original people of Lethbridge, Alberta call it. We are the northern LA. So there you go. We have something in common. (laughs) My hometown of 95,000 people. So... <laughs> well, your tractors are a lot bigger than my tractors. They're box, a little so that big. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's, well, it's fun for them and they get to come see it. And I can remember I took my nephew and my sister in law. We went to, we have a little fair whatever it's called here. It's called Aggie Days. And it's literally for children in the school ages to go and connect with agriculture. Because though we are close to a lot of farms where I'm from, it's, you know, we live near them. But if you don't know a farmer, you don't really go to people's farms and just check out what they're doing. So my yeah, my nephew, Mason, he was infatuated with the chickens. And I believe he was like <laughs> maybe three, like two or three at the time. Mm-hmm. And he ran up to like the chickens where they were in their cages and they were laying eggs while they were there. And he pointed to the egg and he was like, egg, he knew what it was. And I said, that came from the chicken. And his eyes just went huge. Like he had no idea. So, and I think it's so cool that you're able to show your nephew these things that you're doing in Indiana while he's on the West Coast. And it's probably not something his friends get to see all of that often or that other people get to see that often there either. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been, I always joke that it, I had to move to Indiana to become a hippie. So, you know, I, I actually have some friends in California that are starting to garden and, you know, they have kids too. So it's really fun to just be able to kind of help them out with suggestions or see what they're doing. Totally different climate, but it's still fun to be involved in those little lives. Right, for sure. So, Sarah, what advice would you give to someone looking to get into homesteading? I would say just try it. Just go for it. You know, start small. I've always heard people say, you know, you don't need a land to start homesteading. And I think that's true. I mean, you can be in an apartment and shop from local farms to have more control over what you're consuming. You know, you can garden on your balcony or in the suburban area, you can, you know, they always talk about turn up your lawn. I'm not sure I would do that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, there's plenty of places that you can grow your own produce or check with your city and see if you can have chickens. You don't need to have 40. You can have six. And they will be a good avenue to see whether or not this is really the lifestyle for you. You know, that's what we're kind of trying to decide here is, are we going to keep this a lifestyle or are we going to make this like a profitable venture, turning it into more of a farmstead than a homestead? But you don't have to jump right in to full-blown agriculture. You can take baby steps. And that's what I would suggest people do is just try it out. If it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean you screwed up. <laughs> it just means, you know, the recipe was wrong or that's just not the particular avenue for you, but there's something out there for you. And uh, use YouTube. YouTube is the best. 
For sure. I uh, definitely have gone down the rabbit hole of the University of the YouTube to do many things here on the farm as well as even with the podcast and all of the things. There's information out there. And I just think that in a world that we have today, like with all of the information out there, if you're wondering about something, I'm sure somebody else has wondered the same thing. And I'm sure there's resources out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I started with how do you put in a toilet and how do you install flooring? And now I'm like, how do you secure fences? And, you know, what's the best you know location for your Jerusalem artichokes and stuff like that? So just, it can grow with you. And that's the nice thing about YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think even the advice that you give of starting small is so important because I think everyone kind of starts out with these big grandiose ideas. And I think of myself like back when I started my first garden or my garden boxes or whatever, I kind of went in over my head the first time I did it. And when it didn't work out, I was like, well, that was a screw up. Like I can't grow anything. And then it was like, no, maybe next year I probably shouldn't start all of these things all at one time and just focus on little bits at a time. And then, you know, once you get those little wins, then, you know, they kind of start to add up to have bigger wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, is that it's really easy to forget how much time all this stuff takes. Right. So starting small allows you to kind of grow into it without having like the challenge of finding time for everything without screwing it up first. <laughs> right. For sure. So I saw on your website that you are actually offering classes for some of the skills that you've learned through homesteading. Can you tell us more about that? This is actually something that we're hoping to really have take off this spring. So I put our website together last fall <laughs> while it was slow at work. Don't tell my employer. And <laughs> so that, that was fun. Uh, but I'm really hoping that we can kind of tie it with produce. So, you know, end of May and early June, we'll be offering a class on pickles. Not just cucumber pickles, but the world of pickling. And then June to July, we'll be offering classes on tomatoes and so how you preserve them and doing canning and dehydrating and making your own ketchup and stuff like that. So things people can do in their own homes, whether they have a homestead or not. And then, you know, we're always open to suggestions from folks, too. So if there's something that you feel you'd be better off learning hands-on, I'm open to suggestions. So whether it's making your own soap from scratch or learning how to cook a certain type of food or, I don't know, like pastry dough. Who knows? But the world of pie is a delicious thing. So that's kind of where I'm hoping to take this. And I think it would be really great just to be able to tie that into the regular timeline of eating. That is so neat. And I am sitting here hungry now that we've been talking about the world of pie. So <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, I don't know everything. So if someone says, hey, I want to learn how to weave, I'll be like, well, let me find you somebody else who can right. help out. <laughs> oh, well, that's so good. And I love it that you're looking to tie it in with seasonal eating, because I think, you know, once you're learning how to garden and all of the things like 
learning how to preserve your food afterwards. Like it's great that you've grown it and you can eat it fresh, but you could literally only eat so many cherry tomatoes in one day before they start, you know, eventually turning bad. So to be able to, you know, figure out what you're going to do with all of this after you grow it is so beneficial as well. Yeah. And if you can't, you know, grow it, I mean, there is a definite time for peak produce. I mean, you really don't get the same quality tomato in the middle of winter from the grocery store as you do in June so right. or July. So I think that even for those people who are just starting out, being aware of what's available seasonally, I think is really, really important. Yeah, for sure. Sarah, it has been so lovely chatting with you today. I am so excited that we were able to connect and I'm able to share your story. My last question for you is, what is the most rewarding part about being a homesteader for you? My husband said, what are you going to have? What are you going to say when she asked that question? I was like, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. (laughs) You know, I think that for us, it is the just empowering to know that we do have the skills needed to survive a pandemic and (laughs) things like that. And I'm really looking forward to being able to share that with uh, the community that we're forming this next summer with our courses and the farmer's market. So I think being able to empower ourselves and empower others is probably the highlight. Those are all good things. And I think you could like get a t-shirt made that I survived the pandemic at Crossbuckle Homestead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, well, it was so great chatting with you. For my listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So our brand new website is crossbucklehomestead.com. And we are mainly on Instagram at Crossbuckle Homestead as well. So that's how you can find us and definitely get in touch if you've got questions and I'm happy to help or provide encouragement. Perfect. Well, I will link all of those in the show notes and people can find you and connect with you there. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Kim. This is so much fun. It has been so great chatting with you. Thank you again so much for sharing your story with us. All right. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Sarah as much as I did. A couple of updates that I wanted to share with you all. First, next week, I will be releasing the second episode of my new podcast, my patron-exclusive podcast, Maybe You Can Relate. So be sure if you'd like to hear my voice coming through your earbuds next week that you head on over to patreon.com slash the Rural Woman Podcast to get yourself signed up for Tier 10+. plus. So not only do you get to hear the new episodes of the new podcast, maybe you can relate, but you'll also have access to previous extended episodes and patron-only episodes of the Rural Woman podcast. And those are just the audio extras. There's more goodies for you to show my appreciation for your financial support of my work. Last thing I want to say is that I will be signing off for a little bit here as we continue to work our way through harvest. I will be back later this fall with all brand new episodes of the Rural Woman podcast, but until then, I will be throwing up some replays of my favorite guests to keep you company in the combine during this harvest season. Until then, my friends, I'm wishing you all a happy and safe harvest season, and we will see you back here 
real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.